0: and welcome to the Friday Five here on the Agent Survival Guide podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Rupel, and this is our weekly list of the five things you need to know about that happened this week. And before we get started, let me say happy April Fool's Day to you. I hope that you'll be able to tell what is a prank ahead of time And that, you know, you don't get pranked by your kids maybe switching the salt and sugar. I did that once for an April Fool's Day joke when I was younger, and my mom still has not let me live it down. But if you do fall for an April Fool's Day prank, know that you are in good company because we have all fallen for one at some point, if we're being honest. But I can promise you there are no April Fool's to be had in this episode. So let's get to our list, where we start out with a very exciting number one. So back at the end of February, our president and CEO, Craig Ritter, held his annual State of the Senior Market. It's a great presentation featuring info on what's been happening here at Ritter, Medicare regulations and legislation enrollment stats, industry trends. It's basically a once-a-year deep dive into our industry. And after that wraps up each year, Craig puts out a call for questions, and then he answers them in a Q&A session. I recently sat down with him to facilitate that Q&A, and there were so many great questions submitted. <laughs> So I think you sort of started to answer a little bit of this next question here. A lot of people, myself included, are really wondering what that high rate of inflation that we have had for the past couple of months, what does that mean for Medicare in 2023? Does that have an effect on how costs are formulated? You had said something about the cost of procedures would likely go up. Are there other areas where costs would be affected by that inflation rate?
1: Yeah, that's I mean that's that's a great question. I think it's it is going to impact the health insurance market as well just along with every other every other kind of line of services where you have wages as a big component of, you know, the cost of a service that you're going to see those input costs increasing as wages increase. You know, we we're seeing wage inflation in the 5 to 6% range. It's running not quite as high as uh, general inflation, but, you know, much higher than your your typical rate of growth for wages. We see it in the change in the effective growth rate and the capitation rate, which is the rate that CMS is paying to the health plans for Medicare Advantage. I mentioned in the State of the Union for 2023, it's, I think, 7.9, so almost 8% of an increase in the capitation rate. So some of that's going to go to pay for, for higher costs. Like in the Medicare Advantage market, you have, you know, contracts which are negotiated between the health plans and the providers. In some cases, Sarah, those are, you know, multi could be multi-year contracts. So it could take a little bit of time for those wage pressures to really take hold in the health insurance space. But certainly that's, that's the trend. On the flip side, the health plans are getting paid higher, so some of that additional payment is going to go to pay for a higher cost of care, and some of those are going to hopefully, you know, knock on wood, which I believe go towards holding either holding the line or improving the benefits that are available for Medicare beneficiaries who elect Medicare Advantage plans. I think on the Original Medicare side and your Medicare supplement side, you know, it's a lot of it is dictated by the federal government in terms of the rate increases. So the change in in costs that we see are are coming from the government dictating, you know, what those payments are going to be. Obviously, the inflation does influence that. And then the, the second component to those rate increases is utilization, which we talked about, which I think has been pretty, pretty consistent. So, yeah, so I think that's that's kind of where I come up with that kind of middle single-digit rate of increase on the Medicare supplement market. And just, you know, a little bit, I know you didn't ask about this, but maybe like a little further detail, you know, we are seeing the difference between the Plan F and the Plan G, where you had a first dollar coverage with Plan F and you have the deductible on the Plan G, and then you have newer options that, that came out in, well, it's been it's been a while now, but you have newer plan options available that have cost sharing at the physician level as well. So what we're seeing is those plans have a little bit less inflation or a little bit less of a rate increase than the G's and the F's do.
0: Interesting. And that is just one of the questions we talked about during our conversation. Craig certainly has a wealth of information on the Medicare industry, so it was great to be able to have these questions answered in such detail. If you would like to watch the full presentation, we have that available on our website, and we will link to that in our notes. Number two, on Monday this week, the Biden-Harris administration handed their budget for fiscal year 2023 over to Congress. Department of Health and Human Services Secretary Xavier Becerra pulled out a few of the healthcare industry related items in a press release. The budget calls for $127.3 billion in discretionary budget authority and $1.7 trillion in mandatory funding. A large part of that mandatory funding is an allocation for future potential pandemic situations. Over the course of five years, $81.7 billion would be dispersed to the Office of the Assistant Secretary for Preparedness and Response, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the National Institutes of Health, and the Food and Drug Administration. In short, the ASPR, CDC, NIH, and FDA. Gotta love the abbreviations we have going on in this industry. Funds have also been earmarked for addressing health disparities, particularly when it comes to maternal mortality in Black, Native American, and Alaskan Native women. Money would be dispersed to improve health organizations in Native American communities, such as Indian Health Service, tribal health programs, and urban Indian organizations. A large part of the budget will go towards strengthening behavioral health addressing the mental health crisis that's been going on in this country. Part of this initiative is the 988 crisis line that we have talked about in previous episodes. When it goes live, that number will connect individuals in a crisis situation with emergency responders who are trained in behavioral health services and crisis situations. The administration is calling for $7.5 billion towards a new mental health transformation fund, $4.1 billion to extend community mental health center funding permanently, and $1.2 billion to improve access to behavioral health for those receiving care through the private insurance market. Language in the budget currently requests coverage for three behavioral health visits per year with no cost sharing, a very interesting ask there. Medicare would also be receiving some new benefits related to behavioral health. $3.5 billion would go towards covering three behavioral health visits per year without cost sharing for Medicare fee-for-service beneficiaries. The Biden-Harris administration is asking for the Mental Health Parity and Addiction Equity Act to be applied to Medicare. That would remove the 190-day lifetime limit on psychiatric hospital services. And then the last one that I will mention here, $35.4 billion to Medicaid for improving mental health there. This is by no means an exhaustive list of what Becerra pulled out of that document. There's funding to fight the opioid epidemic, investments where our children are concerned, and some research incentives as well. So we will be linking to that press release in our notes. Be sure to check that out, and we will be keeping an eye on what happens to this legislation over the course of this year. Number three. Last week, we published another Agent Apps episode, and this one was on planner apps, you know, those apps that help you with your productivity. Tina mentioned my recommendation in that episode, but I wanted to talk about it here because it has really been helpful at keeping me organized and also keeping me engaged with being organized at the same time. I have been known to check out an app, use it for a week or so, and then stop using it altogether, eventually either banishing it to the app library or deleting it from my phone altogether. And that's because establishing new habits can be really challenging. So the app I've been using is called Habitica. And it gamifies your to-dos, but it does it in a way that is pretty simple to get started. Tasks are split up between to-dos, dailies, and habits. To-dos are the tasks that you enter in and check off when you complete them. Dailies are tasks that you complete regularly. And then habits are things that you want to get better at, track your progress on, and be held accountable for that progress. What makes Habitica fun, though, is that each user has an 8-bit character that they get when they sign up. Your goal is to level up that character, gaining experience, gold, and items. And then all of those things can be traded or used to level up your character. Characters can team up in parties to defeat monsters And guilds can be created as well. Your character progresses as you complete tasks and make progress towards your real life goals, which makes the app a lot of fun because you're essentially being rewarded twice for doing things you need to do anyway. Since we've been back to the office here at Ritter, I've been working on staying organized with a hybrid schedule, and getting back into a routine has been difficult. This app has been really helpful to keep everything that I want and need to work on all in one space. If I had to pick a favorite feature, it is hands down the habits. Instead of getting checked off, these have a plus on one side and a minus on the other side, so you can track what you're working on, but the task doesn't go away after you work on it for a day. It stays in that column, letting you know that you need to continue working on it. Honestly, I cannot recommend Habitica enough. I have told so many people about it. A couple of them have signed up as well, and they've had fun checking it out. There's a desktop version for your browser, apps for both Apple and Android, so plenty of different ways to use it as well. If you want to check it out, you will find the link in our notes. Number four, Instagram's chronological feed has finally arrived to my phone. And interestingly enough, there are two chronological feeds. This sort of solves that initial gasp of, oh my goodness, I follow so many more people than I did when we last had a chronological feed. But first off, let me say, the algorithmic feed has not gone anywhere. That's what you'll see in your home feed when you open up the app. And if that's all you ever want to see, you don't need to do anything. But if you want to see the chronological feed, Just tap on the Instagram logo in the upper left, and you'll see it's become a drop-down with two options, following and favorites. Following is the chronological feed that shows you everything that the people you follow on Instagram have posted in reverse chronological order. So you'll get served posts in the order they were posted from all the people you are following. Favorites is a smaller subset of that feed that allows you to choose 50 favorite accounts to follow in this smaller, more hyper-focused feed. Now, for all of us who love the idea of that following feed being old-school Insta, well, it doesn't seem like it's going to stay that way for long. Instagram has plans to introduce elements of their algorithm into that following feed, But how and what will be served isn't exactly clear. Ads are a definite. That's just parent company Meta's model at this point. But I'm not sure if they'll recommend users based on hashtags that we follow or add content based on what we're already looking at. That is, as I said, unclear. One thing that is clear I have started the tedious work of getting to that number of 50 accounts to add to my favorites. And I probably should mention, that is a different thing than close friends. You can still have a circle of close friends that you share more personal content with and have a completely different selection of 50 favorite accounts. So you can really use that favorites feed to personalize what you're really into, and you can switch those out if that's something that changes on a regular basis. I'm trying to choose my favorites wisely and add back in some of those accounts that have been buried amidst posts in the algorithmic feed. But 50, it sounds like a good number and a low number all at the same time. I go back and forth, and like I said, I'm not at 50 yet. I'm only at 15, So the process is slow going, but my hope is to get some of those connections back that I feel like I lost when everything went algorithmic. And that actually brings us very nicely to number five. I will preface this by saying that Instagram is only testing this feature, and plenty of features get tested and they don't make it anywhere but they are testing a change to the design of our feeds so that only one piece of content is visible at a time. So whether that's a post, a story, or a reel, one piece of content would fill the screen, really giving the algorithm a good idea of how we're engaging with content. And if that sounds familiar, Well, it should, because that's pretty much what TikTok does. And Instagram is really making moves to try and capture that younger demographic that has just fallen in love with TikTok. So if Instagram does apply and roll out these changes, all of the feeds, the old algorithmic one and the new following and favorites feed, could become more suited to a person's likes and interests. Possibly in the same way that TikTok is really good at serving content. And let me just go on a small tangent here. One thing I've noticed that really sets TikTok apart from Instagram is that TikTok has the ability to differentiate between interests. Instagram seems to have trouble with that. With my marketing background, I understand the idea of one account per interest, and if you have multiple interests, you have multiple accounts. But that's not quite the way human beings work. We have different interests. On the gram, I've noticed that if I look at a lot of cats one day, I'm shown more cats in my feed for the next few sessions. But if I focus on nail art and newer nail polish collections, that's what I see more of. On TikTok, though, I'm regularly shown a mix of the content that I'm interested in, and I feel like that is a real difference. So it's an interesting bit of news. I would not be surprised if we would see this in the future, because honestly, Instagram has gotten so jammed up with these separate forms of content and how they're served. There is so much on the screen. How do you tell what people are really engaged with? I find it distracting as a user, so again, we'll see where that goes. But now that I have my chronological feed back, I feel like it's time to put a new ask out into the universe. Please let third-party apps publish to Instagram, scheduling apps like Buffer and others. I know that the name is Instagram, but let's be honest— It has been a long time since we posted in the moment a la the Insta in Instagram. It's time to accept the fact that almost every post is a later gram. Even reels and stories are pretty carefully curated beforehand. So that is all I am going to say about Instagram for this episode. Let's get to... Rupel Recommends. What is coming to streaming for the month of April? Well, not a whole lot. I was pretty disappointed with this month's selections. But I did manage to make a few picks, and we'll start off with today's selection, Better Nate Than Ever on Disney+. It is a movie musical, and I'm always up for a good musical. In this one, Nate has been overlooked for the lead one too many times, so he and his best friend decide to go to Broadway and claim the role he believes he deserves. It looks amazing. Very excited to watch that tonight for movie night. Next up, on April 8th, not new, but new to Disney+, Chasing Mavericks. It's just a great movie, great character piece. And then on April 27th, the series Sketchbook debuts that teaches viewers how to draw classic disney characters. I remember watching a sketch series similar to this when I was younger. It is literally the only reason I can draw a snork and that looks like a promising series for budding artists, which my daughter happens to be, so of course that piqued my interest. Let's switch over to Netflix and these are also picks my daughter will love a new Barbie series on April 8th, and then all four seasons of Lego Friends' Girls on a Mission on April 16th. That is such a good show about friendship. Can't recommend that one enough. But what I'm most excited for, April 19th is the debut of Battle Kitty. It is an animated show about a small kitty with an interesting sense of humor and all sorts of battle bows. It's also interactive, with a world map and supposed control over how we move through chapters of the story. There's the ability to unlock surprise content. It sounds pretty cool, a first-of-its-kind sort of thing, so we will definitely be checking that out. And that is all I have for you this week. We covered a little bit of everything, but that is what we try to do here on the Friday Five. If there's a topic you would like us to cover in a future episode, you can reach out and let us know with our podcast hotline. That number is 1-717-562-7211. Again, 1-717-562-7211. Or you can email us at asgpodcast at ridderim.com. And when you do that, you will also get a shout out on the show in addition to your question being answered. So reach out. We would love to answer your questions. And then to make sure you don't miss your question being answered, be sure you're following along wherever you get your podcasts. I hope you have a great weekend. Thanks for listening today. Stay healthy and stay safe out there. And we will see you next week. The Agent Survival Guide podcast is a production of Ritter Insurance Marketing. This episode was written and produced by me, Sarah Rapel. Script editing by Tina Lamaru Artwork by Vivian Zhao.